Welcome. You're tuned into the Two Kings podcast with your hosts Brian Weeks and Adam Ricker. You may now enter the kingdom. Good morning, and welcome to the Two Kings Podcast. Good morning. Good morning. I am Big Ricker, the biggest of Rickers, the largest of the lot, the giant of greatness. And I am joined by my partner, my love, and one smooth talker on that microphone, Brian Weeks. Hello. Oh my god, it was like butter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is Brian Weeks, the Bald Beauty Bear. Uh, We are here joined again for yet another Two Kings podcast. That's right. Today. (laughs) Today we will be uh, talking about summer memories. Summer loving. Hand me up a line. Summer of 69. Oh, giggity. You calm down. You need some Jesus. You need Jesus. (laughs) All right, um... So we're going to be talking about today some of our favorite summer memories throughout our life. Um, I I'll openly admit I have like very specific examples, like yeah. because a lot of summers I just worked my mm-hmm. tushy off and didn't really do much exciting. But there's there are stories, so All I'm right. ready to dive in. All right, well let's let's do it up. Tell set me the scene, Sophia. Picture it, main. 1990-something. Picture it. Maine. 2002. Okay. Was it 2002? Summer of 2002. An ROTC class sets out for a lovely adventure uh, that we have every summertime called ROTC Summer Camp. That is a creative-as-fuck name. Yes. They, there, was, there was a lot of thought that went yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, Clearly. We would share a military campground... I want to say near Saddleback Mountain, mm-hmm. Sugar- Sugarloaf. Sugarloaf. It was. It was. It was up there somewhere. Okay. Um, I don't quite remember. It's been many years, so I don't really right. remember. Eighteen but, of them. Yeah. Ooh, I can't believe that. Whoa! That's wild. I know I'm old. Um, yeah. This summer camp in particular was my second time around going. Okay. And. I was one of the leaders, but not the leader. Okay. And, um... You're one of the Rickers, but not the biggest yet. Not the biggest Ricker yet. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that's an evolution. Mm-hmm. We we would stay at this military camp. They had barracks for us. They had a mess hall. Big parade field for us to practice our drills. Um, basically, the, the goal by the end of the week was for us to have a big like presentation for our parents um, and get ready for the upcoming school year. Okay. You would like participate in summer camp as if the school year had started. So like that was getting ready to go into my senior year. Right. Okay. Um, lot, lots of shenanigans at these camps. Uh, I didn't, this particular year, um, my buddy, one of my best friends couldn't go. He had an accident earlier in the summer. Um, we called ourselves the Posse, the four of us. Okay. 
Yeah, well, see, I'm always in these little cliques. I love it. Yep. I'm very mean girls. Um, this is up here running shit. So, Heather. We, all, we were all wearing armbands all week because our friend James had uh, blown his face off with a bottle rocket. So, he wasn't... At this stage, at this stage, he was able to, like... His skin had grown back, for the most part. Um, but he wasn't allowed direct sunlight for, like, a year. Okay. On his face, because it that, was scarred. That's a lot. Yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, he's, his face grew back, and he you could you would look at him, you'd never tell... You could never tell it happened. Oh, wow. But I saw him maybe a week after it happened. I didn't even know I'd been trying to call him, because we were supposed to hang out. This is before cell phones, and right. instant messenger wasn't, like, as popular. But... I'm trying to get a hold of him and hold of him, and no one's answering the phone. So eventually his mom called me back, and I thought I was in trouble. Like She's going to be like, stop calling. Yeah. She's like, you didn't hear about the accident. I'm like, oh, there's an accident. Is he okay? And then she's like, oh, he's fine now. He's home resting. This is what happened. Uh, they were, him and his buddy were out in a field, lighting off uh, bottle rockets and stuff. Well, there was one. They lit off, the fuse went, it didn't explode. So they waited and they waited and they waited. Nothing happened. So my buddy went over to it. Of course, he's leaning right over it. Oh, yeah. He's tapping it, seeing what's up with it. Boom! Right in his face. Um, my His friend, I'm not friends with his for this friend that we was with in particular. Cause his friend was kind of a douche, but that's... Yeah. It is what it is. Um... He picked James, this is my friend's name, up over his shoulder and ran him back to the house. And they called 911 and all that stuff. But when I went to see him, I I finally talked to him and I asked if he wanted some company because he had to sit home all summer. Right. Like, do you want some company, man? I'll come over and hang out with you. Mm -hmm. And he was really down because he was obviously self-conscious about how his face looked. And... I went over and like he opened the door but like had his back turned to me as he was walking right. away and he turned to face me. Um I was gonna say this is right at the beginning of summer. Right. Uh he turned around to face me and he, he looked like Freddy Krueger. Um and I feel bad because obviously my initial reaction was like <gasps> you know, like right. shock and he fe- and I'm like, buddy, I'm so sorry, like you I'm like I I don't mean anything yeah. by it, of course, but um, we, we, he tried, we tried hard to, uh, vouch for him to come to summer camp and his parents and doctor just ultimately said no. They're like, well, you know, we'll make sure he stays out of the sun. I'll walk around with an umbrella up over his head if I, you know, if I yeah. fucking have to. This is my homeboy. And they're like, no. They were, and because he, he played football also in that season, that fall, he had to wear a special helmet that had like a, like a big visor over the front so he got no sunlight to the right. face. Wow. Um, but that summer camp, uh, we had a bear walk through the camp. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Uh, the upperclassmen were torturing us by... <laughs> they would, like, coming outside the cabin and tapping on the windows at night yeah. and stuff like that. Like, pretending like they weren't. You know, classic, just scare the, sure. scare the crap out of each other. But my favorite part of that particular summer summer camp is... It was a tradition in the boys' barracks to watch uh, Full Metal Jacket. Someone always brought a t- little TV, a VCR, 
We hooked it all up. We stayed, and it was a real barracks, like just bunk beds down a line. So uh, we cleared us, we cleared the middle out. We're all hanging out together. <clears throat> we had gone hiking earlier that day. Yep. So the kid sitting next to me was another one of my friends. He was putting icy hot on his uh, on his knees <laughs> uh-huh. and up his legs and stuff like that. And um, I already know where this is going. Yeah, he <laughs> he went to take a piss. Yeah. Out behind the barracks. Mm-hmm. Comes back and he sits down. Mm-hmm. And I had seen this movie like a million times already. Like, it's not like it's my favorite movie in the world, but I'll watch it. I've never seen it, but I heard it was really good. Yeah, it's really good. I, um, there's a lot of, like, iconic scenes from it. <clears throat> um, so he comes back and he sits down next to me. And I, like, I can, out of the corner of my eye, I kind of see him squirming and looking around like, what the, what's going on? And then just he just let out a scream all of a sudden. Uh-huh. He had touched his junk yep. with his hands mm-hmm. that he had just put Icy Hot right. on his body. Yeah. And starts screaming, jumping up and down, like, what do I do? What do I do? We had an EMT sting in our barracks. Um, my friend George, uh, who's gay. Mm-hmm. Um, he, oh, gay George, yeah, I know him. <laughs> yeah, gay George. <laughs> Uh, but he was great EMT, mm-hmm. former cadet. He was our volunteer every summer. George is trying to go into that um, medic role. You, you think he's like, well, you need to let me see. Yeah. And J- um, I don't know James, the kid, the kid who happened. I don't even remember what his name is. I'm struggling really bad. It was a while ago. Yeah. Um, maybe Ryan or Chuck. Someone was one of them. George is like, let me see, let me see. No, no, I don't want you to see. So my friend asked me to look because, right? It's me. I'm not. You're not gay. Well, that I think you know. My friend knew. Yeah. But he didn't care because it's me. I'm not gonna like ogle this shit. Right. I'm like, it looks red. Your your sack looks red. Mm-hmm. So the EMTs like, or George is like, well, you need to go down to the kitchen and get a saucer of milk from one of the kitchen ladies. He's like, and literally go out back and teabag this yeah. bowl of milk. And we're all laughing. We're like, oh, we're, sure. di- we're dying. Sure. And he's like, that's not going to work. And he's like, believe me, it will. And he's like, I'll even go get it for you. He went down, grabbed a carton of milk, brought back one of the plastic, uh, the paper bowls, styrofoam bowls. Mm-hmm. Gave it to him. He went out back. He asked a couple of us to stay on guard at the door. So we did. And he comes back. He's like, it's not <laughs> working. No, he's like, it's working. It's working. So then now we just had, he had this bowl of milk. <laughs> He dipped his balls in. Yeah, so yeah. like we we were all trying to like get people to drink balls it and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, and then eventually we just dumped it out. But that was <laughs> when he was like, "You need to teabag a bowl of milk." We cream lost of, it. Cream of balls. Yeah. Is this? <laughs> I swear, I taste some mint. Oh God. <laughs> so that was one of that's one of my initial like favorite summer memories. All right. So this this one that I'm going to start out with, <clears throat> pardon me, is one that I've I have never actually told out loud before, and only two other people have heard this story. I've alluded to it in blog posts for about 20 years, but this is the first time I'm actually saying it. So summer in 1989, it's the summer that I am about to turn 12. Uh, me and a friend of mine who will call. I'm not going to call him by his name. I'll call him Bob. And uh, another friend that has an assumed name, Sam. 
And uh, so me and Bob and Sam used to basically like live at Bob's house. And um, I didn't really like Sam very much because he was a little bit older than us. He was kind of an asshole. He's the one who handcuffed me to the shopping cart. Oh yes, you told and me. pushed me down. Yeah, yeah. Um, for more information, please go to weebly.com slash baldbeardybear. Um, <laughs> and uh, actually, I could probably throw a link in there. But anyway, um, yeah, so this was the summer before all that happened. But we were doing just like normal hoodlum shit. Like, oh, I stole a Playboy from my dad's workshop. And um, I remember bringing, you know, those this, the, the little Tupperware containers that are like basically a shot glass with a cover. I had taken a few of those of my mother's Sambuca nope. and <laughs> smuggled it. Cause I could, like, I was, couldn't take the whole bottle, and like I, I didn't really know how I was going to be able to get them out in my backpack, you know, without alerting people. So I had a, yeah, the, the Tupperware, a couple of Tupperwares full of Sambuca and the Playboy, and you know, just normal shit. We went up to Bob's house and um, Sam was going home that that night. He was gonna. We were basically our day hanging out together. We were going to do everything that we were gonna do. Have you know, have a cookout, then go down to the beach. And his parents were gonna like pick him up at the beach at like eight or nine or something. You know, like basically like giving us all day to hang out. And then I was gonna stay at Bob's house after that. So we walked down to the video rental store <clears throat> and rented. Uh, rented Nintendo games mm. and I am almost positive just because he knew it grinds my gears Sam insisted on uh, renting Batman and there was nothing wrong with the NES Batman game it's just when they handcuffed me to Bob's bed and left me there for the weekend what was playing it on the loop was the, the start menu music of that fucking game so it was sort of like a sense memory thing like that's terrible oh he's an asshole um but anyway, um, so, you know, we're looking at the Playboy magazine, like, I, I really don't care about it, but, you know, it made them happy. And uh, we drink our, our Sambuca, and we go down to the beach, and we're, you know, hanging out on the, on the, the playground shit, you know, just kind of whatever, like, basically just sitting around bullshitting, you know, going swimming and whatever, and, um... Sam, I think it was Sam who came up with the idea of playing a prank on the town, sort of a thing, like playing a playing a big prank. I'm like, okay, well, like what? And you know, he of course wanted to like break into the fountain over at the supermarket and take all the money out of it. And we didn't do that. That was a different time. And um, and I, but I was watchman. I never did. I was complicit. But I never actually did any of these things. I was the one that was like Chucky on Rugrats. Like I'm, we're gonna get caught. You know, this is we're gonna go to jail. And I don't um, think that's a very good idea. Right. <laughs> hey, Tommy. Uh, anyway, so we um, so it's getting towards the end of the night, and and he still hadn't come up with any real good ideas, and um. It sort of ended with when his parents came to pick him up. Oh, you guys are just a bunch of pussies anyway. You're not going to do anything. Whatever. I will say this 31 years later that I do not remember 
which one of us had the actual idea first. Um, Bob, if you were out there listening and you remember, shoot me a DM because I do not honestly remember who's... I don't want to take credit for it and I don't care about giving you credit, but I don't want to take credit for it if it wasn't my idea. So we decided that the prank would be to hide the lifeguard chair down at the beach. I mean, that's pretty pretty ballsy for 12-year-old, or almost You guys are wild. So, I'm trying to figure out how to do it. You know, and um, we're both kind of nerdy, so like, we kind of had the little bit of like, well, you know, the science of this, and sort of you know, trying to figure out how to hide a huge fucking lifeguard chair is not easy. So, after some time, and probably the rest of that Sambuca, got the idea that out on the beach in in Center Harbor Beach, there is a floating raft that is like chained down to things on the bottom, like cement things on the bottom. So it's, it's a floating raft out there for kids to to play on and jump off of and whatever. It has the little ladders. And I remembered as a kid, you know, at that time, like one of the cool popular things to do was to jump into the water and then like appear underneath the. You, no one could see you, but like there were air pockets, obviously, under this raft. And um, so I said, you know, we decided we were going to try and put it, we were going to hide the lifeguard chair under in the air pocket. We are going to push it under the raft so it stayed there. And no one could see it. But the kids coming the next morning to go play at the beach were going to be able to, like, feel that it was there. But we were going to try to, like, get it under the middle so you really had to be under... To see it. To see it, yeah. Yeah. So, it took a very long time. I want to say it because, I mean, it was made out of very buoyant pine wood, you know. And so, but we were able to successfully... And I don't know how the fuck we did this. There's street lights at this beach. There's... You know, granted there weren't any people around, but like this place is lit up like a Christmas tree and no one is stopping or seeing like there were actually I do remember there were like a couple of times where there were cars coming down the little loop and we just like stop and freeze and cars would just keep going. So it took a couple of hours, I think, but we did finally get the the lifeguard chair under the uh under the uh raft. So that was a Sunday night. And that was the talk of the town all week. What happened to the lifeguard Where chair? Where the lifeguard They had to, like, cancel swimming lessons. Like, the little, you know, entitled little brat that was supposed to be the lifeguard had to, like, had to sit on a towel all week instead of their big chair. And it was a huge problem. Actually, I think they, I think they brought out a picnic table and, like, spray-painted it white and wrote, like, lifeguard on it or whatever. But, like, that was <laughs> le- legit. Talk of the town. The town that I grew up in only has 2,500 people in it. So, it's a small town. Someone did this. <laughs> so, Bob and I decided to kind of lay low and not go to the beach all week. Um, <laughs> don't, you don't want to return to the scene of the crime. Well, what we did instead, see, I, I grew up very... Not very well off, but very fortunate that we had a, um, where we lived, we lived on the lake and had our our own private cove on Lake Winnipesaukee, and it had its own private beach. So, Bob came and 
stayed at my house for a few days <clears throat> and we swam in my beach. So basically we were, we were practicing social distancing. We did it before anybody thought it was cool. And, um, so that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is when the now completely waterlogged and unusable ruined junked lifeguard chair was found by some kids from Massachusetts that were fucking around underneath. All those nosy little buttholes. Well, let's just say that we did not realize the impact of what we had done. We were just playing a little prank. We didn't realize that, like, sitting underwater for a few days was going to ruin it. Right. So, um, because it had been, like, the same lifeguard chair... I moved to that town in 1981, and this was 1989, and it was the same lifeguard chair that I remembered. So it was probably old, and there again, really dry, and ready to receive that water. But, so, um, yeah, so that happened. Um, there was sort of like a, if anyone knows anything about this, please call Unsolved Mysteries at 1-800-876-5353. Right. So eventually for the next year, and this was towards the end of the season, it was near, near our birthdays. So I, they never replaced it that year, but they did replace it the next year. And, uh, so anyone who wondered what happened to the lifeguard chair in the summer of 89 at Center Harbor beach, I can no longer be prosecuted for this and neither can Bob. So yeah, it was us. The statute of limitations is up, bitches. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> Fight me. Uh-oh. So, that's my first summer story. That <laughs> that was a good one. Thank you. All right, tell me about it. Tell me about what is your worst summer memory? That would be ROTC camp. This my senior year. I went a year after ball soup. A year. This is what ball soup. One year later. Okay. Um. This summer, I had graduated at this point, and uh, the senior class is allowed, if they want, to attend summer camp to help advise the upcoming... Yeah. It's the last... Because you're there more as advisors to help the upcoming seniors get ready to take over the core. So you Um, get to be the boss. Yeah. I became squadron commander of the Auburn students... uh, and we had a squadron commander of the Lewiston students because it was at a vocation. It was Lewiston High School had a vocational school attached okay. to it. <clears throat> so every other day, I would take a. I, well, I drove my senior year, but mm-hmm. um, my one of my buddies that and I nice. would yeah. yeah we'd commute <laughs> over. We'd get out of third period. Oh, excuse me. We would meet, mm-hmm. drive over to Lewiston High School, have class. And then we would leave, and I'd drop him off at home because it was right next. It was right near me. No, babe. I meant having a driver's license and or a car would have been awesome when I was in school. I my dad was tired of taking because I had, I got a job when I was fifteen, mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. he was always bringing me to work at McDonald's and was always picking me up and having to get bring me here and bring me there because I had to check to cash. How and I wanted- nice to have parents that care enough to actually bring you to and from work. Right. I I, I-, <laughs> I had to go somewhere I could walk to. I'm, I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, you with that silver spoon in your mouth. Oh my god. Anyway, so <laughs> you bougie. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, um, <laughs> I this this summer, um, 
my friend James, who I had previously spoke about the year before he wasn't able to attend, yeah. he was about to become the squadron commander. Oh. So I was like, obviously I'm going to be on your, uh, be your advisor, mm-hmm. like, you're my dude. Um, that summer, <laughs> oh my god, that was, summer was, like, full of, like, just so much bullshit. Um, that summer, instead of a bear walking through the camp, um... There, what ended up happening was there was a girl and a guy. The guy got kicked out of ROTC oh. earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. So, and that was on that was because of me, and that was because we were on the school bus, and um, I had just moved across town. Like I moved to a new part of Auburn, and we and I had access to a field near Pettengill Park. And me and a few buddies were like, let's start a wrestling thing over here like we used to do and mm-hmm. see if we... And this one kid, his name was Scott. Uh, yeah, Scott. I'll just leave it at that. Yep. Um, he wanted to be part of it. Well, he had joined us a few times, and he kept getting hurt. And his mom was getting pissed. And I was like, dude, you just can't wrestle this anymore. You can be there, but you're not wrestling. Yeah. Well, he got so mad about it that we were on the school bus on the way to ROTC. This is before I got my car. Okay. And he said, well, I'm just going to start my own wrestling company. I'm going to call it the No N-Word League. But he didn't say N-Word. He said the N-Word. With the hard R. With the hard R on the end. Just straight up like it wasn't shit. And Mm -hmm. I, like, I remember I hucked my backpack across the seats at him, like, and he threw them back, and the bus driver pulled over, and that's what was happening. I was like, he just called me the N-Word, and the bus driver made him sit up front. And by the time we got to Lewiston High School, um, the commander asked, he goes, why, why was there trouble on the bus? And I told him. And they, they sat in the office reaming him out for a better part of 45 minutes, wow. only to find out they let him go from the class because... No tolerance. Yeah, zero tolerance Good. for that in the, in the class. So he, had to, he ended up with like a free period or something like that because it came off of his schedule. More time to you know join the KKK rally. Yeah, so... He uh, he was out, and wow. he had a very bitter. Um, he had a very bitter way out, of course. Sure. So what ended up happening was he and his girlfriend and a couple of his buddies one night drove their car to like the very like it's a dirt it's a dirt access road to the parade field, but they parked at the very end. And what had happened was we had seen. Uh, flashlights coming in our windows. Oh, we heard all kinds of bangs and stuff outside. We thought we heard some kind of gun. Mm. Um, and it, he, they terrorized us for a night, like to the point where like oh. all of us older kids literally got up and went out in pairs. Oh my we God. we decided to do this. Like the teachers right. were like, "Stay in your rooms." We were Why all not? feeling badass in our yeah. military stuff. So we you know we threw on our parade dress, which was like camos. Camo pants, our ROTC t-shirts, our hats, and we went out in pairs. And like I, me and my partner, we searched the bathrooms, and the showers, and um, eventually we heard someone yelling down at the parade field. So we ran down there. Um, and they're like, "There's a car parked here," and what the fuck's going on? So they went and got the instructors. Woke up, and eventually they found them. Someone spotted them and oh, recognized, and they made him obviously instantly. Um, so the police came and dealt with all that, and they were like, you, the, and the the office, the teachers went easy because considering that's a military base, 
and yeah. uh, what what That's they were doing. Trouble. Yeah, they were trying to just mm-hmm. mess with us. Right. So that night had everybody obviously all riled up. Sure. So I was in the officers' barracks, of course, because I was I was like a cadre is what we were called. Um, when you were you weren't in the ranks, you you're past it now. Right. Okay. No one's in charge of you essentially. Mm-hmm. And just the way you like it. Right, exactly. Um, so that that night in the officers' barracks became, <laughs> as as it does with unsupervised teenagers in high school, a lot of people were climbing into each other's bunks that night. Okay. Yeah, the this New York all boys bunk. No, uh, oh. the girls stayed in there too. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was co-ed. Oh. So, um, progressive. But my friend James and I were best friends, and like we shared a bed anyway at school. So, like, we laid in the same bed to talk because James and I butted heads when this all went down and we were just talking things out. Um, and we both fell asleep in the same bed. Well, we ended up getting woken up to the sight of our three of our instructors standing there looking at me and James. Like, I think he had his arm around me. You've been listening to the Two Kings podcast. We're going to pause for a brief intermission and then return for the second half of this week's broadcast. Thanks again for listening to the Two Kings podcast. Now let's return to the second half of the broadcast. Um, just and that's it was it was it was it was platonic like it it was a, a a Ross and Joey nap. Yeah, it was a Ross and Joey nap. Like it was a platonic cuddle session with my best friend after we fell asleep. Like nothing was done intentionally. And you were all closed. Clothes. Yeah, we were fully dressed. Yeah. No blankets because we'd fall asleep on top. Because it was summer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they woke us up. Kind of like uh, we're supposed to be down uh, down at the field for uh, what the hell do they call it? PT? Yeah. You know, you miss breakfast. Mm-hmm. Blah 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 blah. And yelling at us, and I'm just like, yo, you know what we all dealt with last night? Like we mm-hmm. fell asleep. Would you expect us to come back and go to bed after the camp was terrorized? So, that was the first day of trouble. Um, Getting caught in bed with your best friend. like, And, of course, they don't know that nothing had happened. You know what I mean? Because there were co-ed couples that also got caught. So then everyone was just sleeping. Uh, And the next day, so we're into this next day... um, they took us to that mountain that we went hiking on again. Okay. Only this time, the instructor who nobody liked, his name was Sergeant Nori. Okay. He gave us all radios. I decided to take up a group because we needed, we had like more groups than we had leaders. Um, so I took up a small group with me. And we're, like we're all, and he goes, you guys need to hike to the top of this mountain. Because if you want lunch, I've brought your lunches to the top. So if you don't make it up here, you don't eat. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, hold on. I'm like, I'm like, this this guy's playing. I'm like he ain't gonna hold my lunch from me. You see this? Right. Like, so it's a 90 degree day. People had water and stuff, but people are walking up this mountain and they're getting exhausted. They're tired. My cousin was in the uh, core. She sprained her ankle on the trail. Okay. Um, people were getting having heat exhaustion, mm. having to stop, but they couldn't breathe and they felt tired. Right. Um, about halfway up this mountain, I got on the radio, 
and I radioed for my friend James, and I was like, Commander Daigle, his last name's Daigle, um, Commander Daigle, as, you know, as cadre and your superior, I'm ordering that everybody come down off the mountain, make it, you know, make yeah. it happen. So James is like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, and I'm like, our lunch ain't at the top. I was like, Sergeant Nori's a punk ass liar. And he got on the run. He goes, uh, belay that command, uh, Cadet Ricker. I'm like, I'm not a cadet anymore, bitch. I graduated the program. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, belay that. Lunch is at the top. You're gonna let your whole corps go hungry. I'm like, you're lying to everybody. You can't take our lunch to the top of this fucking mountain and tell us to march up it. Right. You're in a military training program. I'm like, no, this class is called Aerospace Science 4. <laughs> Not Freedom Bound. And yes. Leadership Education. Like, it was, it's a two, it's like two classes in one. Yep. We're learning how to fly planes. It's essentially an Air, it's an Air Force ROTC. Yep. We're learning how to fly planes, and we're learning military protocol in class. And so right. that's what the leadership education part is. We're not an actual military. You realize <laughs> that. Like, right. This is not basic. It's not bad. I wouldn't be here. Like I wouldn't qualify. Look at me. I'm fat. Um. So I ordered everyone down off the mountain, and people. There were a couple kids who ended up passing out. So we had to radio the medical tent at the bottom, who came up in their ATVs to help people. So they had a med tent set up. By the time we all got to the bottom, just funneling people in there. Wow. And come to find out, our lunches were never at the top of the mountain. He was just using it as motivation, and. I lost my. Please tell me something happened. I lost my shit. Oh. Well, everyone just every, everyone stopped listening to him at that point. He's like, he's an instructor, but he like the summer camps run by the students. The instructors are there to supervise. That's what the whole ordeal is. Right, you're learning leadership. Um, so that night we decided to cut loose, mm-hmm. and we had a. <laughs> We had a wet T-shirt contest with the um, with the guys. Okay. No, the girl. It was with the girls. But the girls were all wearing bathing suits underneath right. and stuff because we know like we're kids. Yeah. Um, and we would have we would have gotten in a lot of trouble. Oh yeah. Um, but I decided to participate just to be funny. So my friend Heather, who um now goes by Tyler, mm-hmm. um, trans man, uh, Heather lent me her sports bra. Okay. So I put that on underneath because, you know, self-conscious. You at, get at, them titties. At that though. age, I know these titties are bouncing. Falling. Falling. So I put the sports bra on. We did the whole deal with the water. I won. Blah, 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 blah. The next morning when we went down to go to breakfast, we walked through the kitchen like we normally do and all the camp moms, which are volunteers who cook for us throughout mm-hmm. the week, just glaring at us boys when we walk through and we're like uh what you know what's up so we go to go in the mess hall everyone's everyone had already eaten or no no everyone wasn't in there yet they peek we saw the kids still lined up on the other side of the barracks i'm like what you know why isn't anyone being and they're like well the the mothers wanted to talk to you guys and they scolded us for 20 minutes on well me borrowing her bra for one which means she took her bra off in front of everyone. That's what the, the big argument was. Okay. And, like, we were promoting sexual this and that. And it was just, like, a 20-minute lecture. And this whole time, I'm like, yo, when I go home, I'm going to start packing for fucking college. None of this, like, none of this affects me. I'm literally uh-huh. here for fun. Right. 
and I so said that I was like, I'm like, excuse me, like you can't, I'm like you're not gonna punish me because I'm here for fun. Right. That's and that's that. I'm here. You're not kicking me out. That's it. Um. So then, like, just the rest of the, the, the just the rest of the, we almost got the dance canceled because we have a last night dance to all say goodbye to each other. Yeah. And then in the mornings, the big parade ceremony. And then the parents are there to either pick you up or you can ride the bus back and meet them at the school or whatever. Um, but just that whole week was miserable. Like, I loved summer camp, but that last summer of it ruined it for me. Wow. It was just people getting hurt, having to hike up a mountain, people getting heat exhaustion, someone terrorizing the camp, like yeah. getting caught in bed with your friend. Not that you were doing anything, but still, that has to look awkward. Sure. Um, because we were the only two guys in the same bed, yeah. So that's probably even more so like sure. wrong, wrong to them. So that was my probably worst. All right. So my worst was also again the summer of 1989. Um, so this time I I'm not gonna you know no, nothing illegal happened or allegedly illegal, so I don't need to you know mask names. My um. My best friend, his name was Trey. Uh, we were legit. Like, we were, like, totally like brothers. If I wasn't at his house, he was at mine. And it was, yeah, like, both families, like, gained another son for several years. So, um, Trey was my boy. But we had this thing where... I'm a competitive person, but he's was way more competitive. And also, um, especially when it came to girls. Now, I realize as a gay man, none of this matters now. But I still, like, budding romantical feelings, you know, you sometimes get them. Like, I did get some for, for girls at times. Um, so, this girl that I had met, um, she was a, a person who came up for the summer with her family every year. Her name was Winna. Not, it was short for Winifred, but uh, she went by Winna. Winna Kapowski. I have no idea what happened to her. Um, but she was from uh, New York, and her her family had a summer house over on Lake Kanesatka over in Moulinboro. And we had swimming lessons together. That's how we met. And we had been swimming lessons buddies and friends and going over to each other's houses and whatever for like three summers. And because um, Trey's stepdad at the time was the director of Parks and Rec over here in Meredith, he was completely involved. Like, he was came over here for the Parks and Rec. I did it with him uh, one summer, uh, and it was fucking awesome. But anyway, um, by that time, I wasn't doing that anymore. I was still in my, you know, doubling down on the swimming lessons and whatever, and um, so I was able to successfully keep my friendship with Trey and my whatever it was. It wasn't really a romance, but like my, my girlfriend, you know, girlfriend kind of thing yeah. separate. And, uh, so every year in August over here in Meredith, there used to be a, the street dance. And what they would do is Main Street from basically from where the Chinese food restaurant is to the post office was blocked off completely um, one Thursday night in the middle of August for like 5 o'clock at night to like 11 o'clock. So you could not come up Main Street. You had to 
go around. And they didn't have that bridge around the back, so you really couldn't take a loop and go around. Um, and a great local band, pretty sure they're still work together, Annie and the Orphans. Um, they're like a 50s, 60s rock band. Oh, okay. Um, the Annie Podcat owns Podcat Signs on Route 3, which we've driven by a couple of times. But anyhow, um, it was always Annie and the Orphans. And like... When I tell you it was like the social event of the summer, like everyone was there. Everyone. And it was such a, it's a, it's something that can't even be recaptured. Like people don't do that sort of thing anymore. It was a, a big event for the town. And, you know, it was, it was really big. It was like, it was like the social event. And it was like the one place that you would see all the kids from school that you didn't hang out with outside of, school you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. like it's the one time that summer that you like ran into the kid that used to sit next to you in math and what, but um big social event so i had um i had asked winna if she wanted to come with me as my date and being the young little homosexual that i was i had to overplan everything and i Saved up all my money, and, and we almost took her out to dinner at Giuseppe's. Aww. Uh, back when Giuseppe's was upstairs, where uh, Ron's restaurant ended up going. But the original Giuseppe's, and we had pizza and stuff, and um, Trey was going to meet us at whatever, I think 7 o'clock, out in front of Mill Falls, down in the center where Ben and Jerry's is now. And uh, so... I introduced them, and it was pretty much over at that point. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was pretty much over. Um, he decided that he liked her, and she wasn't necessarily not, like, quote-unquote, into me. It was, this is a new person that she's meeting, and he's really going overboard and I'm thinking to myself what the fuck is happening because I thought up until that moment that he was still dating Dylan my friend so, uh, shout out to shout out to you uh, Debbie mm-hmm. um, and uh, if you're listening but I'm pretty sure they were still dating well apparently they have broken up um, so um, it was just it was a horrible night because I was trying to like find a way to meld my two my two worlds together and I thought I kind of had a bit of a crush on Winna and it was just I became like you know I went through all the emotions it was like crying in a park bench it was high faggotry and um but all of this still happened but it's but the worst part of it all was since my mother was coming to pick the three of us up we still had to have the car ride back drop her ass off first because Trey lives across the street from me and then we still had plans for one of, you know, I think I was staying at his house I don't remember I think plans were cancelled but, um <laughs> I would say, I was just, like I felt, oh he but the, here's the deal, like, I was so emotionally invested but, but it's the same token I don't even think they ever, like, I think they saw each other again a couple of times, maybe at the beach like, they never went out on a date they but I was so uh, Trey was a year older than me, thin, and pretty attractive for a, for a you know a young all American looking 
13 year old boy okay I got you who was also starting into puberty a little bit quicker than me because hi I'm a year younger than you mm-hmm. um so he was like instantly alpha dog in any situation where there'd be a chick around you know what I mean oh yeah so I instantly felt like um Quasimodo and oh. but and that I want to say was one of the last times I saw her that summer and she you know she went off and I and yeah I did see her a few years later, but that's a that's a summer story for another time. <laughs> um, so we still we still have some time, but what I want to ask you about your I want to know about Baby Ricker Wild and Out. What is your absolute wildest summer memory? Going buck wild on that ass. Oh, um, boy, you wilding, boy, you wilding out. I'm gonna have to give the, give it up to the summer of 2008. Okay. Um, I got out of school in May 2007, returned back to live in Auburn, uh, Maine, and <clears throat> didn't really know like I had one more year to go to school, but because I took so long, my parents said they'd only help me for four years, and that's fair. Yep. Um, I messed around. I messed. I'm. I messed it up. I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. Yep. Um, so if I wanted to go back to LaSalle for a fifth year, I would have had to pay for it. And there's no way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it was an expensive school. Right. And um, so when I came back, I was like, well, I'm. I, I might as well. I'll work for a year and then I'll go back to school, which obviously turns into working, working two years, years, working three years, and then all yeah. of a sudden, before you know it. You're 34 and live in Bangor, and you're like, "What the hell? I was supposed to move to Boston." Like, what the? But um, that summer I met, uh, I reunited with my best friend Jody. Um, she frequented the gay bar, which I chose to go out and try to connect more to that side of myself. Um, up until that point, I would, you know, I was telling people I was bi just because it was easier than saying I'm gay. Sure. Um, which obviously isn't a problem now, but that's, I met up with her and she brought me to the bar and it was, I was very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to just open, be able to openly express myself around other people who have been out in about for years. So the bartender at Sportsman's was, um, Mike, his name was Mike. Uh, he was very friendly, you know, he's very friendly. Like she knew Jody, he loved her. Um, so I got, so we got to go in there regularly and she introduced me to her group of friends, uh, Savannah and, uh, these brothers, Sean and Eric, um, Sean and Eric were both gay. Okay. And Savannah was like Eric's best friend. Like Jody was to me. She's best friends to, uh, with Eric. But like the five of us, we were just a little crew. And then we, um, also had our friend Chrissy who worked at Sprint at the time with Jody and I, she would go out with us, too. So, like, they'd be all of us together. Nice. Um, hitting up this bar every week, mm-hmm. and, like, that. I slowly started to become more comfortable and in my own skin. Um, but that summer was a lot of drinking, <laughs> um, a lot of random make-out sessions in the bar. Yeah. Um, we, I remember we had a, we had a killer bonfire... And um, 
it was just it was a, it was a really good time. So, um, like I said, but it was just a lot of alcohol, a lot of the bar, late nights, after parties, um, just all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, I mean that was really. I mean that's the extent of it. Like nothing. I can't think of any like specific one thing that was. Oh shit! You guys are so crazy. But it was a lot of good times. I just remember laughing a lot, being with my friends a lot. Um, it, it was fun. So I would have to say that's the, probably the biggest time I've wiled out during the summer. To be honest, like right. Um, any other positive summer memories or getting to spend summer wrestling weekends uh, with my homies? the last few years, um, even through all the shit storm of wrestling, um, I've got a group of friends that made, that spending time with them made it, made those weekends worth it, and mm-hmm. I think that's what got me through them, but, um, just the, the late night drives together, like, being back at the Fortress, which is what I call my apartment, um, even, like, and it was so chill that, like, we're in multiple rooms, everyone's doing their own thing, like, we're not feeling we all have to cram together, some of the guys will go and I'll let them play Xbox in the living room because he wants to relax, have quiet downtime. Right. While a few of us are in my room playing wrestling and being rowdy. You know, like, it, it, the, those times right there, I think, were among my favorite as well because it was just it was just so chill. I'm like, I don't feel like I have to entertain everybody. But right. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> So what about what about you? You're wild. I'm sure you got something wild here. To... <laughs> I think my first two were pretty wild too. Oh yeah. Um, no, I'm just kidding. So this was the summer after I'd graduated high school. So this is the um, the tumultuous summer of 1995, and my friend, my BFF Jen, and I, and our friend Josh, all worked at McDonald's, and. Uh, with some other people. There were some other random folks. There was a set of brothers. Um, uh, yep. Mike and Mike and Sean, actually, were their names. Um, but they didn't work with us. But um, they worked with... They were... One of the older brothers' girlfriend worked with us. And so, anyway, there was a, a loose group of about six to eight of us that used to hang out a lot. And I was... Uh, Jen and Josh and I closed the store every night that we worked. So we were, you know, being night people anyway. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that big of a, like a risk taker and a badass. Like my thought of the perfect, my perfect thing to do when we would get out of work at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning was go to the 24 hour Dunkin' Donuts so that I could have a ham, egg and cheese and a croissant and a cup of coffee. You better calm down over there. Maybe going swimming after work, but like whatever, like it wasn't anything big. So earlier in the summer, Josh and I had requested a specific Thursday off. Do not remember why. It was just we both wanted to take the Thursday off. And it's not that busy of a day as far as for, you know, like it's we understood like we have to be there Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. It's a restaurant in the summer. So we requested that Thursday off and... Doreen, the assistant store manager, approved Josh having the night off, but not me. And I'm pretty sure the reason is because she's a terrible human being and just horrible. I ha- I could not stand Doreen. She was just awful. But anyway, um, so the Tuesday night, 
before the, immediately before this is happening, Doreen was working. I'm like, look, if I can find someone who has the night off and will swap with me, is that okay? And um, she's like, yeah, if you can find somebody, whatever, but you cannot have the night off. You have to find a replacement or you need to be here. So Thursday morning, it's like 4.55 in the morning. I wake up with 104 degree fever. Damn. And like I am legit death warmed over. And so I call the store and who picks up the phone but Doreen. And I'm like, hi, um, I just woke up with this 104 degree fever. Like, I, I don't even have a driver's license. I got to wait for my mom to get out of work at noon to bring me to the hospital or whatever. Like, because 911 wasn't even a thing around here. You know, I'm like, I think I knew the number for the ambulance, but 524-1545. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm I'm literally dead. And she's like, you wanted to stay off and you're just trying to call out blah blah you'd better be here at, at whatever time I think it was at, I think I was supposed to be there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon she's like you're, you'd better be here we need you tonight and you, I knew you were going to try and do this and blah 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 I'm like bitch I am sick and she's like no you're not you're faking and blah 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 and she starts hollering and screaming at me like you know what you fucking bitch fine I will be there at whatever time and I'm like yeah you'll see me there bye and I hung up on her and it is like 5.02 a.m. now. My next... I immediately picked up the phone and I called Jen. Like, girl, you come over here right now and get me. We're going to... We were going to Boston. That's what it was. I'm like, yeah. come over here now. We are going to Boston. And uh, she probably thought you had to work. I'm like, I don't care. I have 104 degree fever, but if that bitch thinks that I'm going to be down... I'm like, calling out to be in Boston, my ass is going to be in Boston. So... I brought, you know, Dayquil, and I, like, I had, like, you know, a purse that was all filled filled with all kinds of stuff. Nice. Wrapped myself in a blanket. Like, I slept in the car all the way down. Like, it was hor- I was It was horrible. But just to spite her. So, um, we went down to Boston. Like, I pretty much just, like, passed out in the car most of the day. And uh, by, like, 2, 3 o'clock, I was starting to feel a little bit better. You know, I had puked a few times in, in Chinatown and <laughs> highly recommended um, and uh, so like 2.33 o'clock in the afternoon I'm starting to feel human again and um, the brothers said hey we're already in Boston why don't we drive down to Brockton that's that's our hometown I want to see the old neighborhood we haven't been there in you know a year or so we can show you around and uh, so yeah yeah that's cool and, you know, of course, we've got GMA 94.5 cranked on the radio. And this is before air conditioner really in the car. So, like, all the windows are open. We're listening to Feel Me Flow by Naughty by Nature. That oh. was our, that was it at that time. Feel Me Flow. <clears throat> so, we're going along. And we get into Brockton, which is half an hour-ish south of Boston. And we go to their old neighborhood. Now, um... I will describe their neighborhood as ethnic. <laughs> um, oh? Yeah, it was <clears throat> ethnic. Um, the The apartment building that they lived in was across the street from Brotherhood Oil, and sharing the other half of the building was Sounds of Africa Music Store. 
and um, I'm surrounded. Yeah, and <laughs> both these boys very white too. Like they were like they look like if you took Everlast and shrunk them in the wash from the from the House of Pain video there. Uh, yeah, like that's kind of what they look like. Okay, I got you. And um, so but that's where they grew up. And like they go to their old apartment, and we like they're like introduce themselves to the new guy that lives there. Like, why are you white people here? And um, so we ended up going down to the to the corner store, and uh, it's one of those kind of stores where you can go in and buy a single menthol Parliament for a quarter. Backy. Yeah, it's that kind of a place. A okay. Newport in the Newport. Newports are fifty cents though. So. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> So, um, but we were there and, and so what ended up happening was one of the brothers took off because he thought he saw somebody he knew. Then the other brother took off because he was going to go, go try and score some weed. And like the rest of us that don't live there and don't really know where we are, are kind of hanging out now in Brockton. South Central Brockton. And um, so we were hanging around for a while, and this is before cell phones, beepers, any of that stuff. And fucking eventually, we were down there until like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And because the sun was just like, it was at the point where like, if we don't get out of here pretty soon, the sun's going to go down. And we didn't, and it, we were wanted to get out before before it got dark, but not for the reason that you think. Um, it was just having, we didn't have maps or GPS or anything. No, that's under, so, understandable. Right. It wasn't, you know, because we were white. It was just because we didn't know where the hell we were. So eventually we find, the one brother finds us. We stayed within, you know, three or four blocks of, of where we had parked. And um, it was like, oh, my, the older brother was um, over at such and such address and getting weed. And we were to go and meet there, and then we can go. Like, we're going to go there, pick him up, and then we're out of here. So we get there, and this address was a an honest-to-goodness crack house. And um, so... An honest-to-goodness. Yeah, honest-to-goodness. <laughs> the real deal yeah, Holyfield. Right. Okay. And so we walked up the third floor, and I walked up to the third or fourth floor where, where he was, and yeah, there was, you know, like the... the the dude like all curled up in the corner and the you know newspapers and all. it was it was just it was exactly what you'd see on TV and what what that brings to mind and um, so we go into this apartment that had not a stick of furniture in it and um, I mean it was fucking bare like and this was but this was someone's home and um, he had the largest bag of marijuana I had ever seen in my entire life. Um, the first time I get to uh, get, have the opportunity to smoke a blunt, and uh, then we, the, w- those of us that partook, you know, smoked the blunt, and the other ones did not. Then we got back. We went back, found the car, headed home. We get back into Boston, and we're coming up over the Zakem Bridge on I ninety three, headed up to go home. And it's Friday. It's not really rush hour, but it was like a late summer. It's like at this point, like eight o'clock on a Friday night, the sun's just starting to go down, so it was traffic. Yep. And um, <clears throat> so I remember a, that traffic. Yeah. <laughs> so we had all the windows down, and it just we were stopped completely in traffic, 
And all of a sudden, we're listening to Jam 94.5, and they're like, oh, now we're going to play a throwback track, or whatever they would say back then. Uh, but they're like, you know, they were playing something old, and they started playing We Are Family by Sister Sledge. And as soon as it starts, I'm like, oh, turn it up. So, you know, and nobody liked disco. I was the only one. But they're like, okay, we're going to make an exception for We Are Family. So they started to turn it up. And all of a sudden, I look around, and I know it wasn't the weed, but I look around, and, like, every car had their windows open, and every car had their radio tuned to jamming at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody, like, cranks up the radio, and everyone is on the Zakem Bridge, parked in, like, a little, like, a parking lot, and everyone is singing We Are Family. That is dope. And then, like, shortly, like, right after the song started, like, traffic started up again. And, like... It was the most magical moment, and we ended up coming back, going to McDonald's, and of course I found, I went back in the store, and um, I went to go grab something to eat, and the manager on duty was like, oh, funny me showing your face here, and I'm like, look, I, and, and I'm like, bitch, feel my forehead, and she's like, oh my god, you have a fever, I'm like, I told you that I have the, but, no, you know, fuck all y'all, I don't want to work here anyway for four dollars an hour, mm-hmm. and um, so I ended up, you know, quitting my job that day. But that was, like, the most wild, one of the most wild days I've ever had. And it was a lot of fun, but, I mean, it was bad because I probably should not have been traveling in that condition. But, <laughs> yeah, but you, you had know, fun. Tell, what, tell me to not to do something. Babe. Right. And, <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, girl, you just, I'm right. doing this to spite you now. Yeah. So, no, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so... Want uh, we're gonna throw this out there to you, our listeners of the Two Kings podcast. Yes. Uh, of course, as always, like and subscribe. But why don't you stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Two Kings Podcast and tell us some of your favorite summer memories. And especially if you are in some of these memories we're talking about, definitely comment. And when you go to the Two Kings Podcast, it is not the number two; it is spelled. The number two, T-W-O. Right. Um, I've had some confusion of people oh. saying, I cannot find your website. I apologize. No, and it's not It's not you. I mean, I, I realize that norm, mm. normally that's right. what you would see. But no, we have spelled it out. Uh, T-W-O, Kings, plural, two of us, podcast. Dot com. Dot com. All right. Well, um, let's see. Coming up next, next week, we are... We're going to be in our favorite room of the house. Mm. The kitchen. That's right. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> next week, August 15th, tune in for Two Kings in the Kitchen, where we are going to be talking food. And, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be good. I might even share a special Big Ricker recipe. Mm. All right. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> um, enjoy, enjoy your week. Have have so much fun and hire a designated driver. That's right. And take care of each other and keep your hands to yourself. And for the love of God, wash your damn hands. Yes. All right. And Black Lives Matter. Have Black a- Lives Matter. Wear a mask, and they should arrest the killers that uh, murdered Breonna Taylor. Thank you. That's all I got to say. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.